DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Josh Newman, Utes beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. So, secret, Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Josh, good morning. How are we doing, guys? We're doing well. You ready to take one deep breath and just dive into the season? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's that time of year. We, you know, we, uh, we got through that kind of gray area, right, between spring ball uh, and the start of camp, right? May, June, July, kind of a uh, usually a slow time. It's not so slow anymore with the transfer portal and recruiting still. But, uh, yeah, it feels good to be here and to, uh, and to finally get camp going. It's a shame, you know, way back when, when we started this radio show, which was a long time ago, you used to be able to watch all the fall training camp practices, and then they limited, they limited it to like the last 30 minutes and then 20, now zero. <laughs> so uh, you can't get to see anything, which sucks, because they should have a quarterback battle going on, and that's when training camp, whenever practices are available to be viewed, is the most interesting, when they do have something. And Kyle spoke last week about... Cam Rising being at 95%, feeling he can get to 100% through the course of training camp. So, as far as it stands right now, how are you handicapping this particular race between these two guys with Brewer and Rising at quarterback? I don't really want to assume anything. I mean, I I, I myself was guilty of assuming things last year, right? When it was Jake Bentley with the SEC pedigree and the resume, so... I don't want to assume anything. What I will say is, and I've written this before, I think it's going to be very hard for Rising to win the job, only because he's coming off major surgery to a strong shoulder. You know, Kyle saying 95%. He told me at Pac-12 Media Day that Rising was fully cleared, no limitations, but his arm strength is not fully back. So, you know, read between the lines, try to glean something from what Kyle said there. I think it's going to be hard for Rising to win the job. That is what I'm thinking going into camp tomorrow. More intrigued by the battle at quarterback or more intrigued by the battle at running back, given how much you know Kyle likes to run the ball? Probably quarterback, just because, um, look, not to say that Kyle and Utah have not had very good quarterbacks in the past, because they have, but I don't think that Kyle has ever had somebody like Brewer at his disposal, you know, um, an older guy, you know, 44 career games in the Big 12 at the Power 5 level, uh, 9,700 passing yards, 65 touchdowns, you know, played in a Big 12 title game, played in a Sugar Bowl. So, yeah, you know, it might be cliche, but, yeah, the quarterback competition to me is the most intriguing part of camp just because Kyle has never had a, a guy like Brewer uh, at, at his disposal, quite frankly. How much do you buy any validity to the argument? Yeah, he threw for a ton of yards, but it's the Big 12. They don't play any defense. I, I, I put a lot of stock into that. Just you know, Not only the yardage and the touchdowns in the Big 12, you know, the kid is coming from a serious quarterback pedigree, right? His, his older brother you know, was a Power 5 quarterback. His father famously walked on at Texas, was the MVP of the Cotton Bowl back in 1982. Uh, His grandfather was the quarterback at Texas. So, yeah, I take a lot of stock into what Brewer has done at quarterback. And it's not strictly the stats. It's not strictly the yardage. Uh, I think the pedigree that he's coming from, you know, also plays a role into this whole thing. 
So do you think because of that, they're really going to cut loose and throw the ball? Because I think there are plenty of Ute fans reading you, listening to us, who are thinking, Kyle's going to do Kyle here, and they're going to run the ball. It's a great question. It's a great question. I think that's, uh, I think that's a key kind of uh, big-picture, overarching storyline is that how does, how does Kyle operate here? How does Andy Ludwig operate? As you just alluded to, look, Kyle's DNA – forever is run the ball, play defense, control the clock. And that has served Kyle well over the years. Again, he has never had a guy like Brewer at his disposal. So, you know, does Kyle go outside his DNA? Uh, Andy Ludwig has said publicly for a long time that he will work his offense to, you know, he will, he will manage his offense based on the personnel that he has. Okay, well, you know, if Brewer wins the job, his personnel is including a, a guy that can swing the ball all over the place. I think that's a great question. Uh, I think that's going to be an important thing to look at because if they allow Brewer to, you know, kind of swing all over the place, hey, Utah becomes a, a little more dangerous. But again, Kyle needs to kind of go outside himself and allow himself to, to let Brewer do that. Yeah, when you say a throw all over the place, as someone who's watched uh, Utah football for almost three decades, I, I have to admit I had a little heart palpitations there uh, with them <laughs> being able to do just not necessarily being able, but be more willing than able because, you know, I do have some doubts about them being able, but I have far more doubts about them being willing because he's built a great run. Uh, on what we know, as you say, the the defense and all that stuff, and it's been very, very successful. So I guess I'll uh, to sort of take a wait and see attitude. But I was intrigued by you know when Brewers coming in with a whole lot of credentials, more so than they've had a few transfers over the years. Certainly more than any transfer has had, and maybe more than any quarterback certainly since they've been in the Pac-12 has had. Uh, so I'm expecting decent things from him, but I'm wondering on the other end, as far as the receiving, you know, if Covey can stay healthy, he's a player, but injuries have uh, beguiled him the last couple of years, you know, and he's not big, and we all know that, and talked to him at last week, and he's talking about dude, finding ways to keep himself healthy, so best of luck to him, because we'd all love to see it. But, you know, they lose Nakua and Thompson, and they weren't, like, all pro receivers, and I know I'm using an NFL phrase, but they were very good. And so they're gone. And they got this Howard kid who I didn't see much when he was at Oklahoma, but I watched a lot when he was with the Bruins there in Westwood. So I'm wondering if he can be a go-to type guy, or do you think there's somebody else that can come close to getting 1,000 yards receiving? Yeah, no, and that's a you know that's a fair point. I think you know, and I'm pretty sure I've written this too and, and talked about it. I think the the biggest question mark in terms of you know depth or options, I I do think is wide receiver. And yeah, you know, it probably hasn't been talked about enough. But yeah, Britton Covey has had a bunch of injury stuff in the last couple of years. Uh, can he stay healthy? Uh, can he go a full 12 games? Because he's very important to what to what Utah wants to do on offense. Um, you know, you start looking beyond Covey. Um, can Devon Belle finally break through? Right? He had, the, you know, he had the big spring game. Uh, he he played well during spring practice. Covey talked him up during Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, Jalen Dixon is back in the in the fold. Uh, hasn't played football in a year. He was a proven commodity when he was first year, but again, hasn't played football for a year. Hasn't been hit for a year. Can he get back to what he was? Uh, Theo Howard, as you said, very good player. 
at UCLA, transferred to Oklahoma. He's had some injury stuff. Um, you know, there's a transfer from USC in the mix. So, you know, that's a that's a big question mark. Yeah, maybe Brewer's the guy. Maybe he can sling it all over the place. But do they have enough at the receiver spot to to get it done? Also, look, this is Utah. You're going to be throwing it to Brian Peasy and Cole Fatherham's going to be in the mix. So, um, a lot of intrigue there around the wide receiver. Again, I think that's the uh, I think that's the biggest question mark on a team that really doesn't have a ton of depth issues at at really any spot on the field. So the running back competition is uh, is crazy. Guys are coming from everywhere. You've got transfers. You've got Curry from LSU and Pledger from Oklahoma. You've got Bernard, who's been inside the program. You've got Parks coming from Florida. So how do you handicap this as these four guys come together and all, all can make their case to a degree and pique fans' interest to a degree, but you can't feature four guys. It's got to sort itself out here somehow. No. Nope. Can't feature four guys. Uh, Kyle's been pretty consistent over the last few months, even going back to spring ball, that uh, it's going to be running back by committee, at least to start, right? You know, look, if you think back to last season, it was kind of the same deal. You had a bunch of options with, you know, Ty Jordan just coming in, and Jordan Wilmore, and Devin Brumfield, and Makai Bernard. And for a while there, they went running back by committee. And then, as we all know, Ty Jordan kind of, you know, took the position over and, and turned into a force of nature. And I think it's going to be the same thing going into this season. You know, you've got Makai Bernard and Chris Curry and TJ Pleasure. Uh, Tavion Thomas was a late Juco get. So I think at first year you're going to see, you know, a committee situation, three guys, four guys in the mix. If you want to handicap who is the starting running back technically in the opener on September 2nd, I think Makai Bernard has, has grown enough here, has done enough good things. He's been in the program. If you're handicapping that right now on paper with camp starting tomorrow, I would say Makai Bernard is in line to get the first snap at running back. I've learned through the years in talking to Coach Whittingham that if he pumps somebody up, particularly on defense, uh, during either the training camp in the spring or early in the training camp in uh, August, that the player is probably going to be really good. And he did that last year with Nate Ritchie. Now Nate's gone on his mission. Who do you think is going to replace him? Because that's probably about the only serious question as far as starting goes that I have defensively. So I thought that I, yeah, I, I, I thought that that situation of safety with, you know, with Nate Ritchie on his mission and RJ Hubert at best, probably limited after injuring himself again. I thought that safety spot was going to be easy because, you know, they bring in Brandon McKinney, a safety transfer from the university of Washington. And yeah, you know, you, you look at McKinney, he slides in, you know, to the spot that Richie left. But then Kyle, you know, said publicly a couple of weeks ago that, you know, one of the, at least in his mind, one of the big question marks is what to do with safety. So yeah. that leads me to believe, you know, is McKinney not going to easily slide into that spot? Has somebody inside the program with maybe a year experience, two years experience, has somebody stepped up? So, you know, I, I thought it was going to be easy with McKinney. Uh, maybe not so easy based on what Kyle has said here recently. So looking at the rosters and not knowing where to go and what and building off what you just said, you know, they don't bring in a lot of JC guys, so I wonder when they do that what they see and why and Vontae Davis from Blinn College, 
Uh, and Jordan McMillan transferred from USC. Have you heard anything about either of those guys, or is it really a mystery? It's. A, I mean, it's not so much a mystery. I mean, Monte Davis was probably one of, if not the most pleasant surprise on a defense going into last season that had a lot of question marks. You had a lot of, look, we remember that the 2019 defense, specifically the secondary, sent the whole group to the NFL. So you had a whole bunch of questions on what the secondary would look like. Vontae Davis was a program guy, had been in the program for a little while, but hadn't really had the opportunity to play a ton because, again, he was playing behind a bunch of NFL guys. So Vontae Davis steps in, and he was very, very good last season. Like, you know, one of, if not the most pleasant surprise on that defense. I think Vontae Davis is it, it is going to have a big year. Um, I think those five games that everybody played last year during COVID were, uh, you know, were critical to maturation, critical to development. Uh, and now you're in a position where, yeah, Kyle and, and Morgan Scalley, they, they trust Vontae Davis. I, I think that kid is, is definitely in line is definitely in line to do something significant this season. Yeah, I view Vontae Davis in a way, maybe it's too much of an expectation, as I did Terrell Burgess. Burgess, program guy, uh, could have probably gone someplace else and played earlier, stuck it out, stuck it out, gets his shot, and I just saw the other day, man, that, uh, what's he, was he, I think he's with the Rams, right? And that yeah. they, they were just, and he got injured last year, but they were saying, man, so far, and it's just a few days, but he was one of the looking great in camp. So I don't know that Davis is going to play in the NFL, but the point being, they have a history of guys who stick with it, developing guys, and he very well could be the latest guy as far as uh, the secondary to not necessarily come out of nowhere, but play well and get himself in the NFL. We'll see that uh, what that is about as the season develops. As far as the other spots, I think they're solid up front. Linebacking position is an interesting position to me, and I know they got Sewell and Lloyd, and I can make a case that Lloyd's the, he might even be defensive player of the year in the conference, who knows, because he's that good. But I like that they've built up some depth there that they can really use this year in reserve, but also going forward, because it looks like they got a little bit of assembly line at linebacker going forward, even beyond this season. Yeah, linebacker is an interesting spot. Specifically, look, um, Ethan Calvert is one of their it, is one of their top recruits from this most recent cycle, right? Um, kid from California, top seventy five recruit nationally. Uh, staff really likes that kid. He can go end to end, side to side. I'm curious to see um, if he can break through and, and and really find a role at linebacker immediately. As you said, look. Devin Lloyd is potentially a first-round type of talent. Nephi Sewell was all Pac-12 last season. But, and then you have a kid like Calvert coming in, you know, again with the pedigree and the hype. Freshman kid, four-star, highly rated. Very curious to see um, if and how he can kind of break through with Lloyd and Sewell getting, uh, getting most of the attention at that position. Why carry so many linebackers when Kyle has said they're basically, you know, 70, 80% of the snaps, there are going to be two linebackers on the field. It's evolved into a 4-2-5 just because of the way receivers line up in this conference. So why so committed to bringing in so many linebackers? Look, you've got to have depth. You have to be, you know, preparing young guys to, to step in. I mean, look, Devin Lloyd technically has the option to return again in 2022. He's probably not going to. He's probably going to the NFL. 
who knows what Nephi Sewell decides to do. So you want to hit the ground running beyond this season, right? We'll play 2021, you know, your linebacking core, your defense. It is what it is now. If guys choose to leave, if guys choose to transfer, you want to hit the ground running once January comes, once spring ball comes. And that's important to keep, you know, recruiting that position hard. Uh, and they've done that. You know, they've, you know, there's a, look, there's a premium on four-star guys, uh, guys that you believe can come into your program and make an impact right away. And Utah, you know, this isn't a new thing, right? Utah recruiting defense hard, not just the four-star guys, but identifying, you know, three stars or anybody that you think is a fit for your system. Utah has done that continually, uh, and this latest recruiting class um, is really no different. Preseason poll, particularly in the South, about what you expected? It is. It is. Uh, USC is the prohibitive favorite uh, to win the South Division based on the 40 media members that voted in that Pac-12 poll, of which I was one. Uh, full disclosure, uh, I did vote Utah to win the South Division. I just think they're better than USC. I, I, I think Utah has uh, more depth at more positions. Um, I think coaching continuity is super important, right? Kyle's been here forever. Andy Ludwig is still the OC. Morgan Scali is still the DC. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Utah is better than USC, but we're going to find out October 9th when they go to the Coliseum exactly what's what. You know, that you can circle that one. That's, um, that's a season builder. Yeah. If Utah can, if Utah can walk into Southern California and finally beat USC at USC. Do you think both teams are going to be undefeated going into that? Great question. Um, Utah should be. Um, Utah's going to be the betting favorite against Weber, against BYU, and at San Diego State, and at Washington State. Utah should be 4-0 going into the Coliseum. And quite frankly, so should USC. So if they're both 4-0, both are presumably ranked. That is a just a colossal game, colossal early season South Division game. And that stretch for Utah where – you're at the Coliseum on October 9th. You're home for Arizona State on October 16th. If you go to bed on October 16th and you are 5-0, and having beaten USC, having beaten Arizona State, the complexion of your, of your season starts to look very, very different. You can start, as a fan, you can start dreaming about some things if you're 5-0 and on October 16th. We'll leave it right there, Josh. We appreciate the time. We'll keep reading you in the Salt Lake Tribune and uh, following you on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk to you again later this season. Great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. Yep, Josh Newman, youth beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We want Bama! (laughs) You can start dreaming, baby. You want Bama in the semis or the final? Who gives a crap, man? (laughs) (laughs) Those are details, DJ. <laughs> Don't get caught up in details. <laughs> if they're five and zero, why not? You know, if fairly substantial, if but say, this is August. <laughs> <laughs> dream big, baby. Yeah. Can't dream now. When can you? Yeah. If I'm all three of those teams, why not dream five and zero? I don't know who has buys if they're all playing five games at that yeah, point. Yeah, I wasn't going to get into that. that yeah. There is some wiggle <laughs> yeah. room in there, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. The Utes actually, SC is their fifth game. Right. So 5-0 and for SC, 6-0 and for right. ASU. I know. 
Uh, so if you, all three of those teams, if you are at that point, and particularly, for, I'd have to look at SC's and ASU's schedule. I don't know it off the top of my head. But if you if you're Utah and you already beat the presumed top two challengers to that South, the, they would be in a position to that, dream even more. Right, exactly. The USC Arizona State game is the uh, first week in November. Yeah, so so they, they won't yeah. have that right. under their belt. I they could it. presumably have a big hurdle to go. Well, they would, as opposed to they the, would. To the, well, assuming the other one didn't fall apart, wiped out by injuries. Uh, but the Utes, though, would have the top two. Yeah, yeah. They'd have the tiebreakers. They'd be 6-0. Yeah, they might not it. be one game up. Maybe somebody got beaten. They're two games up. You don't know. So, yeah, that would be awesome. And Ute fans and would be going And game day crazy. just decides we're going to just do all of November <laughs> in Salt Lake. We're not even going to move. Even away games, we'll just still do it here. No. <laughs> <laughs> If we're dreaming, what the freak? Why not? Game day will come to the Pac-12 one time all year, possibly. That's it. <laughs> Two? That's crazy. Why would we do that? Well, we'll see what SC does. If the, if the, if the Devils and Trojans should be undefeated in November. Yeah, but, I mean, you're getting way, way, way ahead, ahead of yourself. Of yourself. Yes. Why not dream? For the Pac-12's sake, it would be awesome. Especially in the new commissioner's first year. That's all it took was a new commissioner. Hey, man, we got this. <laughs> we like, Scott, I did it. Larry Scott would be like, you guys couldn't get that iron out while I was there and make me look good. Oklahoma and uh, Texas will change their mind and Wait come, a minute. come west. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A lot of NBA free agent signings. Who made the biggest splash? Who do you have confidence in now? And... What next? I think the fact that the Jazz signed Conley and signed him for uh, three years means something. I think the whole logic that was applied to Conley now needs to be applied to Joe Ingles, to Boyan Bogdanovich, to Clarkson right down the roster. And what does that mean? Uh, I would think Ingles is up on deck next, not just from the Olympic sense. We can get to that. But also just because of his contract status. And we will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.